Blog Talk Radio. Hi, folks. I've just spent a delightful time chatting with George Brew on his What's Brewing show. Boy, this guy asks great questions. He's fun to talk to. Just wonderful to listen to him and to hear what he has to say. And you'll enjoy it, too. So make sure to listen to What's Brewing with George Brew. You'll find it's a time of your life. It's a great Bob Wolf. Cut that tremendous promo for us. Eight or nine, ten years, nine years ago, I think it is now. We have done ten years of shows here. Used to be a lot more regularly. And now it's, you know, when we feel like doing it. But it's been ten years. The show started as Brew and Bill talking sports with my buddy Bill Mahoney. And we talked about, I'm sorry, they, stop, rewind that. At one point it was Brew and Bill talking Yankees. And then it became Brew and Bill talking sports. Then it became the Brew Show. Then what's brewing? Then whatever the hell else it became, the George Brew Show, the Brew Show, whatever it's been, there's always been brew there. Ten years of doing this here on the Great Blog Talk Radio. Up until yesterday, I had a wandering eye. Today, I do a show for the first time with my eye straight. And it hurts. (laughs) It it hurts. It hurts. But we welcome tonight (coughs) one of our favorite guests that we've ever had. One of our favorite guests, one of my favorite people. Kat Osterman will join us soon. She is at training camp with Team USA. They look to go and win another (coughs) Olympic gold medal. That was back in the old days. We were live from a basement. We've come a long way. And this week, over the next couple of days, voices from the past will join us. And it's going to be, for the next few weeks, we are going to do this. We can fit it in when we can work into somebody else's schedule. We're going to take the time. We're going to do these shows. Because it's important to look back. Guess we haven't had on a while. Guess that they're on their thumb, wonder what they're doing. They'll be here. We'll take care of we'll get you ready. We'll get you set. We will do our jobs. Ooh, I enjoy the show. One night Scotty will join us. I was going to do that tonight. Because I think Kat deserves her own show. She has been 
one of the biggest names that we were able to get here. She is a very good, she's become a very good friend. Um, There's a lot of life there that we shared. Uh, We got married within like two weeks of each other. It's kind of weird. But we will definitely, um, we will definitely uh, take time to look back. Whatever we have. You are listening to the George Brew Show here on the What's Ruining Sports Radio Network. I woke up in my car, it was bizarre. I left my tub, hoping at the bar. I broke up with you, then cried to my mom. Found my best friend, passed down the phone.
All right, thanks for some uh, technical difficulties here. We're back, I hope. All right, let's take our first phone call as we wait for Kat to join us at the bottom of the hour. Que paso, Maine? How are you? Uh, Good evening, sir. What's up? How are you? All right. Uh, And uh, I'll start off with, uh, I'll say one thing. Last night's game between the 49ers and Seahawks lived up to the hype. Most games don't do that, but this one was the game of the year, as expected. If that's what you expected to be the game of the year. So far. No, not even close. No. Not even close. That game was sloppy. If you want if you want game of the year, you don't want sloppy. You don't want guys hitting kicks through the uh, the ramps. It wasn't even close to being the game of the year. Was it All even right, close? Then, then what would you say <laughs> so far? So far, game of the year? Cool. Yes. <sighs> hmm. It's a good one. Tough one, huh? Yeah, because I don't think any games have been that great yet. Mm. I, I, I I don't think a regular season game can be a game of the year. I think that it's – I just don't see it. Like, game of you, – you, if you were calling that the game of the year, I'm sure well, it's been you, like you a know, you had the, Thursday. You had the 49ers, you know, who were undefeated and, C, and Seahawks were right up there, you know, trying to keep pace with them. And the Seahawks won it out. I mean, that was, you know. I don't know. Look, I think San Francisco is flawed. (laughs) I thought they were were a paper 9-0. They didn't play anybody. The only team they beat is the Rams, and they always beat the Rams. Yes. Um, I, I think, I think. Seattle's overrated. Yeah, no, I, no, I thought that was just two average football teams. Oh. You know, here's the thing. I think I think they're both living off the mystique, right? The Niners are living off the mystique of Jimmy Garoppolo has only lost what three games as a starter there, right? But last night with Kittle, they're ten and zero. If they still keep, if if Kittle doesn't get hurt, if Kittle's not hurt, not playing, if Sanders Sanders isn't hurt, I don't think that game's a game. Yeah, at least Jimmy G has improved, and he's you know becoming the quarterback that the 49ers and the fans thought he was going to be. I mean, despite but last season getting or, injured, which... or is he at his ceiling? And is his ceiling Adam Dalton? Dalton, Andy Dalton, Dalton makes. Yeah, but is that it? but is that Garoppolo's ceiling? I think it is. Yeah. I mean, he's twenty eight. I mean, you can't even put him in the category of like the younger quarterbacks, the Lamar Jacksons, the the Sean Watsons. I, I I don't know. I don't think so. You think Jackson's a better quarterback? I think Jackson's a better running back. I don't think he's a quarterback. I don't yeah. think any, I, I think anybody that actually thinks that cat's a running back is 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 lunacy. Okay, mm. if, if I if he had half the year Cam half the career that Cam Newton's had, he it's phenomenal. 
but there's something that tells me he's one hit away from getting like clobbered. Mike, what did Mike Tyson say the best? Right? Yeah. Well, that everybody's got to play until they get punched in the mouth. Punched in the mouth. Right. Well, if he gets punched in the mouth, hmm. Goodbye, Charlie. Yeah, I think it, <laughs> I think it's um part of their thing. I, I I honestly believe that they have a lot of problems. Hmm. Like they caught New England when everybody catches New England week before right. the bye. You know what do I make out of that? I, you know, that's kind of one of those games. Belichick goes, <laughs> "Good job, stupid." He just gave us what we need. They emptied the tank against New England. Yeah. So that's where I go with that. I'm not big on Belichick at all. You know, you know me, but um, you know, because I'm not a Patriots fan whatsoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, the former uh, field goal kicker for the Patriots, uh, Van Terry. I think age is catching up with him. I think he might be on his way no. out. No. He, he's 46 years old. I wouldn't go age is catching up on him. At 46, it's got to be. I have a interesting theory yeah. this year. Because it's not just him. If it was just him missing kick, oh, I'd say, okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Down in uh, uh, uh Rojas didn't miss a kick last year for the Giants. Now he's a, kick, a miss a week. Steven Goskowski never misses. Justin Tucker never misses. There's something this year that I think we have to start to think about. Okay. The story of the NFL switching the Super Bowl ball before Super Bowl 21 is one of the greatest told stories in NFL history. How they were worried about what Phil Simms would think of the football because he was very fussy. When you get used to kicking a ball that has just a simple logo on it, now you put a ball with a logo that's half the size of the panel. Did anybody figure out that maybe the wind, the aerodynamics of that ball have changed? I have heard uh, things like that. Okay. So Rule 21, so... And and here's the thing. What's that? So that was 1987. Yeah. So now now that the NFL ball this year has a gigantic logo on it that they've never used during a regular season, that the kick operation is down to 1.1 seconds from snap to kick. And now you have a ball that is Less aerodynamic or more dirt. You know, if you kick the laces, that's one thing. Right, where Vinatieri hit the laces. Mm-hmm. 
hitting the laces, not good. Because the ball tends to stick to your foot. Well, yeah, I'm not going to say that it's all that, but I'd almost go with there's something there. Well, I mean, you know, five uh, missed, five missed field goals and uh, three extra points. So um, I thought, you know, with him getting older now, maybe he just doesn't have it much anymore. I mean, like you said, he is 46 years old. He is like, you know, 900 years old. He is an old guy. But it's not like he's dribbling kicks and, I mean, you know, you had one miss. And, I, and I'm not making excuses for him. Okay? Even though I'm a big Vinatieri guy. Right, but oh, well. one kick was. Oh, I'm not a big. I'm not going to be a big like. I'm a big Vinatieri guy when he was a Patriot. Now I'm, you know, he's better right. than Arnold to me. Um, <laughs> or Benedictieri, as I like to call him. Um, but if you look at it, like one of the missed was a lace ball. A miss he had against Denver was, I do believe somebody was standing right in front of him, and he tried to kick it around them, and yes. he just duffed it. So, no, I, 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 it's not like he's dribbling balls. It's not, he's just not hitting them true. You know, but the, the, like I said, a lot of guys are not hitting straight ball. Like, if it was... If he was the only kicker in the league <clears throat> missing kicks, I would say, oh, okay, it's, it, he's old, he's got to retire. Um, last time I checked, oh. he's not the only guy missing kick. Kick. I know, but, you know, Van Terry, you know, of course, saved the Super Bowl for the Patriots a couple times, you know, last second uh, heroics. And, you know, everybody was, you know. Just, yeah, but he didn't save them. Those are tie games. Yeah, but he came through in the end. You know, yeah, I mean, there, the Super Bowl was about to go to overtime, game. but Terry's like, no, nah, I can kick it. No problem. We're going we're gonna uh, to win this. Yeah, well, well give, give Tom Brady credit for driving them down the field. Uh, we shouldn't have to. What? I take it you are a Patriots fan. I am a Patriot fan. I see. But don't take away from what Tom Brady had to do in both of those Super Bowls. No, I won't. And people forget that Adam missed kicks the nose, too. In both of those games, he was the hero. He missed kicks earlier in the game. I do recall that, but when I counted, he came through. Yeah? With the game on the line. It's like Derek Jeter. A lot of other people had to do the work for him to get the glory. That's true, especially uh, his last game with Yankee Stadium. And that could have been scripted any better. You know, two out and... It could have been scripted better. He could have retired two, three years before. Well, I think Derek Jeter was a clown. You think so? Derek Jeter was a clown. Derek Jeter was a phony. He, yeah, no. He only did stuff in front of cameras. Not a good dude. Not a great teammate. I see. Terrible. Yeah, but you know, actually. I mean, he, you know, the fans, you know, the fans loved him. That's because the media loved him. New Yorkers are yeah. sheep, 
And they are, are told I'll not give to you like that. We are, a t- we are a tough bunch. No, it's not that you're a tough bunch. You're sheep. Until you're told not to like something, you don't like you like it. If you were told to like James Dolan, you would like him. No, you're no, told to hate him for no. You're told to hate him for the Knicks, but you forget that the Rangers have, were in a Stanley Cup final seven years, six, five years ago. Mm-hmm. He's done all right by the Rangers. He stayed out of that. He's let people do work there. You all forget that James Dolan owns the garden for one reason. He's a musician who wants to sit there and play grab ass with Billy Joel. Congratulations. He does that. Well, I might do that myself. Yeah. I mean, if I had the chance to play grab ass with Billy Joel once a month, I'd do it. So would I. But you can't kill him for the fact that LeBron James didn't want to come to the Knicks. LeBron James didn't even want to meet with him. He already had his mind made up when he went when he was going to Cleveland. Hence, we had a sit through Kyrie the terrible. Irving had that too. Kyrie Irving had his mind made up, and besides, Kyrie Irving is a cancer. Yeah, Nobody did say about that. So the dude's a cancer. But see, the thing is, is that what the fan says, New York fans think. Yeah, I, I, I still don't like Dolan. I mean, you know, the way the Knicks have been in recent years, ever since he took over. Why? Because the Knicks, would, yeah, but you got to remember, why? what motivation does James Dolan have for the Knicks to be good? He doesn't give any. No, what what is what motivation is there for the Knicks? For the Knicks to be good. There is none. Because the Garden sold out. The Garden gets a full house every night, whether you as a Knicks fan like it or not. The Garden will sell out because the Garden is a tourist trap. It is south of the border. It is Mount Washington. So even if if they do suck, it still doesn't drive people away because... You know, most the Rangers missed the playoffs for seven straight years. You couldn't get a ticket in that building. Yeah, go figure. I mean, the Knicks haven't won since when? They sell out every night. 2001. Yeah, and they were, and they, and then by that point, they were a little brother to the team from the, the team that played in the uh, in the Meadowlands. Because they were going to the finals, they beat the Knicks in the playoffs. No matter what you what what people think, the Garden does not care. And I I could get guys who played on the Rangers on this show, and they'll say the same thing: they don't care about winning. Because if they cared about winning, they would sure. win. They don't. It's a business. I, I I say this every. It feels like every month, or every time I do a show. You look at the Maras. They don't care about winning. They care about money. Oh, the Maras are the all The Steinbrenner kids, they worry about money. They don't care about mm. winning. They cared about winning. They would have had one of those big pitchers this year. They would have gotten their hands on Garrett Cole. Would their payroll? They would have gotten their hands really? on Greinke. They're the New York Yankees. They're not the Mets. The Mets treat themselves as if they're a triple-A team. You are the New York Yankees. Old man Steinbrenner is rolling over in his grave. I know. 
especially after losing this year in the in the in game six. Yeah. No, he no, he wouldn't care if they lost in game seven. They lost. They did not win the World Series. They don't spend money. He spent money to make money. He was like Walt Disney. Why is Walt Disney, why are the parks popular? Why are the parks what they are? Because Walt Disney, back in his 50s, when he had no money, still spent money to make money. How do you spend what you don't have? Who doesn't have money? Well, you know how many Yankees on money? They spent nine million, nine billion dollars to get the Yes Network back. After they forced, after they lobbied a judge to make Disney (coughs) sell their interest in all the regional sports networks when they bought Fox. After they sold it. Couple years ago, right? I do recall that. So, to sit there and say that the Yankees have no money? No, they have money. They just don't want to spend it. And that's the so Yankees. you're trying that's not the Yankee owner. So you're trying to, even though they got the second best, the first or second best payroll, they won't go out and spend it. They didn't have the first or second best payroll. They haven't had that in years. They've made Brian Cashman go shopping at Walmart. They've made Brian Cashman, and kudos to him because he's done it. But they've made Cashman it like he's bargain basement everything, like he's the Tampa Rays. They have real big, they're going to have a ton of money they're going to have to spend in the next couple of years. Or else, bye-bye Aaron Judge. And by the way, Aaron Judge isn't getting any younger. No. Let's not forget that. So really... Well, he's not exactly the over num- the hill yet either, you know. But the number that... Yeah, but who signs anybody over 30 to big-time, long-term deals? Yeah, not the last time I checked. You're probably right about that. All right, so who, who signs these guys to long-term, big-money deals after the age of 30? Nobody. No. I mean, you saw what it took for Machado and Harper to get signed. Machado. Right? I mean, those guys. And this is why baseball and the ownership is staring down the bullet of another work stop. You know what that's going to happen? Yes. Absolutely. Ooh. Absolutely. I was afraid of that. Absolutely. The owners are the reason why it's going to happen. Well, so it usually is the owners, isn't it? Well, they've colluded against the players for a couple of off-seasons now. Right. And just when I thought they were starting to come together on issues. Mm-mm. No, they have more issues than you think. In other words, uh, it's like uh, they don't have a prayer in hell to save it from from stopping uh, work stoppage. Who <laughs> boy? Nope. Not this time, nope. huh? Because you know we've seen this before. Coming down to the last day, 
and they managed to make the it last work. Time they this, ever, the last time they got to this, they got to the last minute was 2002. Two, I remember that. And they didn't want to go out after 9/11. That's what. That's how they got they, more buying time because it was supposed to be um, at the end of the 2001 season. But after that, you know, like, you know what? I think we can use some more time now. Yeah, and that's yeah, what I happened. That. So, and even that went to the. I, I, I never. There were teams waiting on tarmax to find out if they were leaving or not. And they got <laughs> the deal done at the last minute. Yep. Uh, at 11 a.m. that morning. Yep. I do recall that. Yep. So August of 2002. So, yep. It was August 31st. That's true. And my history. everybody, and nobody knew what was going to happen. And they said, "Wait, we can't." And then guys like Al Leiter said, "We can't do this. It's too close to 9/11. It's too close to the first anniversary of 9/11." Right. And if you remember, that's what those cats said. But we got to get to a break because Cat Osterman's joining us after it. All right. Feel free to call back later. I might do that. All right. I'll be here. All right. You are listening to The George Brew Show on the What's Room Sports Radio. <laughs> Superfans.com. Superfans shirts. Superfans has Boston's best t-shirts. Uppercase B's for the adults and lowercase B's for the kids. You see our street hustlers at your favorite events or you shop with us at Superfans.com. At Superfans, we're just like you. We take pride in our town and support the best our teams have to offer. Listen to your New England soul. Visit Superfans.com and say hello next time you see us around town. We make Boston's best t-shirts for New England's best fans. Superfans! Superfans is a proud sponsor of Dirty Water TV. This is Alice Cooper for R-A-D-D. There's a lot of things we have no control of in this world, but that's not the case with drunk driving. If you're going to drink, don't drive. Think ahead and choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives on and so should you. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Bob Sosi, the voice of the Patriots, and you're listening to the What's Ruining Sports Radio Network. Joining us now is a three-time Olympian, a four-time All-American, and the greatest person I know. Hello, Ms. Osterman. Hi, how are you? 
Um, I, I'm great. I'm sorry that I don't know how to type today since I'm only barely using one eye. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so take us back to, because I, I think I've watched like 17 interviews with you from like the time you decided to come back to now. But since our listeners need to hear it, <laughs> what came into um, going back to playing? Um, there's not really one thing that I can pinpoint that brought me back to playing. Um, I think, you know, I, I was very content being retired and settling down. I've gotten married, um, have a stepdaughter, you know, um, live in life. And, uh, you know, actually a friend of mine, Kelly Kretschmann had visited Tim Marcus. She used to coach with us at Texas state. And, um, she, I was in the coaching pool at the time and, in my heart was not into trying to be on the coaching staff for this team whatsoever. And, um, my reasoning was more of, I mean, along the lines of I could still throw and I don't know that I could come in and and coach pitchers or coach knowing that I could still do it. Um, you know, obviously in college you get four years of college and you move on. So coaching college is nothing of, of a similar, um, experience in my mind. Um, and when I was pulling out of the coaching pool that same time as when Kelly visited and, Kelly told my boss, you know, she, she's not going to tell you she wants to play. I don't know if she knows she wants to play yet, but she values her job too much to risk it to play. And um, at that point, Coach Woodard told me about a week later that if I wanted to play again, we would make it happen, um, that I wouldn't have to be forced to resign. And, um, you know, I went home and talked about it with my husband and called my dad and my parents and um, talked to them. And there was just um, – there was a little part of me that wanted to play again. And I've said it in some other interviews. I also felt like um, as a former member or as a member of this organization, um, it was almost because I could play still. It was almost, I felt like it was somewhat of my responsibility in order to allow this organization to have the best shot at a gold medal again. And um, I thought I could add to that and obviously tryouts and such have proved so. Um, So yeah, there are a lot of things in, in the process, you know, God put a lot of things in, in line for me to see and know that I was on the right path. You know, nobody was happier when that, when you decided you were coming back to play and you saw it on ESPN than my dad. He's like, oh my God, Kat's coming back. I'm like, yeah, I could have told you that. I knew that was going to happen. Not that we had talked about it. But when you deci- when you fully decided all right, I'm all in. How hard was that to – what did everybody else think? Um, you know, I think – I mean, a lot of people were excited. A lot of people were supportive. Um, a lot of my teammates, former teammates, um, kind of did the whole, well, we were waiting um, kind of thing, or they just knew I would. Um, you know, I think there was a, a big part of me that was very content with uh, – with life and I was okay with it. And, um, but there were a lot of people I think knew that deep down this would happen at some point, but the uh, response was overwhelmingly positive. And I think that was, that was probably one of the most exciting things was just to see how many people were excited. I was going to be in the circle again, or at least going to try to. And um, then obviously after January and I was named to the team and summer went like just to, to see the people who were still supporting and fans that I've had for a long, long time. Yeah, like you have this amazing thing where your core group of fans, and 
I be, I'm one of them, obviously. But we've grown past the whole fan friend thing, you know. Um, it, it, it's kind of like, I remember talking, I think it was like maybe like the first or second time we had you on here. And it was like, you could always tell there was that unfinished business, which hurt because you guys weren't obviously going in 2012 and 2016 to the Olympics. Whereas like, Cat's got unfinished business and I'm afraid for the rest of the world if they ever get back in the Olympics. <laughs> is, is that partially part of this? Um, it's a very small <coughs> part. I can honestly mm-hmm. say um, this is more about being able to help this team and, and these women win a gold medal. Um, it is not mm-hmm. it's not a selfish need to get redemption at all. Um, so, But is there a small part? Yes, there's a, definitely a small part that I would love to go over there and, and bring home the gold medal because of the finality of 08. Um, but it's not it's not a majority tri- driving force by any means. Um, and mm-hmm. really, it was very it was a minimal part of the discussion um, when I was deciding to play again because I don't think I, I don't think I'm the right fit for a team if I'm coming simply for selfish motivations of the fact that you know 2008 was ended the way it did um, because these athletes weren't there for that and it would be unfair for them for me to come in and have only that part that mindset in mind. Okay, I. It always to me felt that way, but I, can't, I know you as a competitor, and I knew that that's more of like a fan kind of thing. It's like, uh oh, a motivated cat well, is I mean, not I good for the rest it, of the world. It, <laughs> yeah, if we had gotten back in prior to 2020, um, might have been, but there's just been a lot, a, a long enough time to process everything and obviously grow and mature. And you know, when you start coaching, you get a different perspective of things, and that's something that I. I can bring to playing again as a kind of a different perspective, different mindset than what I used to have. Um, and so, you know, if we had gotten right back in 2012, I'm sure there would have been a, a, a huge redemption factor factor. Um, but there's just been enough time that um, that's not the driving force. You are the greatest of all time. I, and I know you don't like talking about it, but how did you stay motivated for so long? Like where um, I've always said that professional athletes are different than normal people because there's something in them that normal people don't have, but you were the uh, normalest well, of know, all people. <laughs> I'm very normal as a person. Um, I just <laughs> happened to be able to throw a yellow ball. Well, um, you know, I think my big thing always has been trying to be as perfect and as, um, you know, as, as great as I can be every single day. Um, I really, I don't get me wrong. I love the sport of softball, but I fell in love with the art of pitching and being able to, you know, make the ball move, be able to pinpoint it on a dime, be able to kind of set hitters up based on what my ball was doing that day. And um, being able to have that kind of control and that kind of movement consistently, it it takes a lot of work and the work was fun for me. Um, I think that's the best part of my whole career is like every day I go out and throw a full pin, it's fun for me and I get excited still when I throw a really good pitch um, and you can see it dance. Like that's just kind of what I lived for for a long time but you know I carry that into almost anything I do. I, I want to be the best I could possibly be at it. And if it's something like golf that I don't think I can excel at, then I just don't play it. Um, Which has got to be tough because your husband is a golf coach. 
he is a golf coach, but we also um, we don't go golfing as a couple, so we save ourselves there. Oh, I can imagine how that would turn out. Somebody would be sleeping on the couch. Um, Probably. We let my dad try to coach me, which it doesn't go much better, but at least we don't live <laughs> in the same house. Um, I mean, to be considered like one of the greatest of all time, which obviously you are. But, like, when you start hearing the greatest of all time, it's Gretzky, it's Brady, it's Michael. Do you ever, like, just pinch yourself and go, oh, damn, I'm in that conversation with these guys? Um, you know, I think the first time I ever really had to, like, kind of step back and say, wow, is when someone put me in that category, but specifically for University of Texas athletes. And the other ones were, you know, Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams and – Roger Clement, you know, those names, um, that's where I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's, you know, some guy had a hat and was like, no, I'm only getting the three greatest ever. And I was just like, wait, and I'm on it. Um, so there are moments where you just have to step back and kind of think, holy cow. Um, but I can easily say, I mean, when you're, when you're in your career, you're not, you're not thinking about what it measures up to past or present. I mean, past or future, like you just are playing and let it let your game speak for itself and um looking back now and and kind of understanding what the stats were and not that I didn't know then but like being able to real life picture them and coaching and sometimes it it's it's crazy it's just crazy what um you know what I was able to do in college especially but even beyond and um yeah and I'm still crazy cuz I'm still playing yeah, and the funniest thing is, like, people don't remember, your Texas career had two halves because you went to the Olympics in 04 and then went back to Texas after it and it was like, wow, what experience can you draw from when you were young in the Team USA program when everybody was looking at, like, Jenny as – you know, the, the marquee darling. And it's like, well, there's Kat mm-hmm. throwing the gold medal game. And it's like, then you go back to Texas and everybody's going, oh, crap, she's back. Um, well, you know, I think the, the cool part of this whole journey back again is, I, as I tell people, I grew up and I'm essentially growing old in the same program, which is pretty cool. Um, I joined the national team at 18, about six days after graduating high school. Um, and that's not – common really and so you know I I literally grew up wearing the red white and blue I learned about the game I learned about life so to speak Um, and I think being able to break my college career up in two um, it was there were there were pros and cons obviously the pros is uh, there's an experience that I had that I could draw a lot of confidence on and knowing that when I went back to college that no was I going to be perfect no but that I still I still had an edge up because People do. I mean, I can't imagine being in college and getting in the box knowing that the person you're facing just won an Olympic gold medal. Um, I have no idea what that's like, but being on the other side, I was able to stand in the circle and be like, there's no reason you should doubt yourself because you were just on an Olympic team. Um, and I was able to take that. I think the only con was really that I learned a lot and I probably went back to college thinking I was a little more of a know-it-all than I really was. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, I did feel like I learned a lot and I was trying to share that and I probably didn't share it in the best way. Um, But at the same time, I felt like 
I grew as a player and I was completely different from my sophomore to my junior year because of that redshirt year in the middle. Is it, when you are coaching now, and we've, I know we've had this conversation. I know I've asked you this question a million times, but hell, I'm going to do it again because it's so much fun to ask it. Is it still weird when you go in and you're recruiting or whatever? I think there was even a question asked during the press conference when they announced Team USA. And one of your teammates was like, yeah, I have pictures. I posted a cat on the wall. Is that eerie or weird? No, it just makes me feel or really awesome. old. awesome. <laughs> it just makes me feel really old. Um, I mean, I think it's cool. I really – I'm getting to the point now that some of these kids that I'm recruiting don't weren't really old enough to understand my career or really see much of my career, which is fine. I get it. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, some of them do know about it. You know, I think the internet and YouTube and all that is a wonderful thing because kids can learn so much um, about other athletes or, um, you know, actually get to go watch video of athletes that they probably never would get the chance to see in person. But, um, no, I mean, I think I think it's cool if, if an athlete really understands, um, you know, when they come and they, they have a story about when they tell me live or a lot of our seniors, you know, senior videos come and there's usually a picture somewhere in there um, of me with one of our athletes when they were super young. And again, it makes me feel old, but I also think it's really cool because I know for a fact at early ages, I didn't really, I didn't really relish the role model role as much as I probably could have. Um, but it, it's, it's cool to see kids, you know, they did, they did come to games. They did get pictures and, you know, a lot of times they don't want to tell me that right out the bat. It takes a couple months, but um, it's it's a fun thing to see. It's just the game coming full circle. I, I will say that there is a picture of me and you on the wall in my house, and my wife loves it because she's like, it's <laughs> so cool when you get to meet your heroes. And I'm like, I just like that one time I came to see you pitching, you're pitching up in Jersey. <clears throat> and that lady's like screaming at you, like hey, sign something. And you just kind of shot this look up at me. And was like, would you please tell her to shut up? And I'm like, hey, leave her alone. She's at work. Um, but it was it was so cool because that was like, what, the first retirement tour? You know, and you got your rocking chairs and all that fun stuff. And then it was like, oh, wait, Kat's coming back again. Great. Now they're yeah. not going to be playing in Jersey, so we don't get to see her again. Do you miss, do you oh, miss we'll playing in the FPS? I hope um, so. No, we are not going to play. We're not going to play in the NPS. Um, our full tour has not been released, but um, there are quite a few more tour dates that are not out yet that are all over the country. Um, so. So you're saying there's a chance that Dad could come see you pitch? We do come up to the Northeast. I don't know exactly where. So I feel like the Northeast is not as massive as Texas, so you should be able to get wherever we're going. Well, that's not true. I mean, you got parts of the north. Now you're right. We'll be able to come get you. We'll come see you. <laughs> Only because it's you. It, 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 seriously. Yeah, but, like, I have to pitch. George and his dad are going to be here, and George's dad wants to see me pitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would never tell a coach what to do. Um, but uh, other, Don't worry. I wouldn't either. <laughs> but another thing with you and YouTube is we've all gotten to see you hit, which is one of the greatest moments ever. Everybody loves watching you hit when you did hit. Um, scary to stand in the box knowing what you could do. Uh, be like, what's this girl going to do to me? Um, I would never want a live at bat ever again in my life. 
I I took front toss yesterday at practice for this like playing along in a sandlot game that we had going on and my mm-hmm. I'm terrible. <laughs> I think if I if I had gotten a situation where I had to bat, I would probably really just choke up way far and really just try to at least touch the ball and not really care where it went. Yeah, because I what those was the damn PF tours when you guys would hit. I, I'm telling you, it was it was magic. Just to see oh, everybody yeah, going. that was that was a necessity. We only traveled with ten people, so one of the two pitchers had to hit, and the other pitcher really didn't want to hit, so I just <laughs> sucked it up. But it's fun sometimes. <laughs> I've just been out of it for so long now that I don't really, um, I don't really care to try too often. So, get it. So after this is over, we go back to coaching college again. How much do you enjoy coaching? Or how much um, are you going really to miss coaching, coaching this year? Um, you know, I think the hard part is I'm going to miss I'm going to miss our girls. I have some good relationships with some of the athletes that are at Texas State, and um, not being there, whether they're seniors or juniors, um, not being there is it's just it's going to be hard. But at the same time, it's part of it, and um, you know, the fun part is I get to see them opening weekend. We'll be at the same tournament at them, and I'll you know. I'll watch that and um, at least get to go say hi. And then we play them as well. So that'll be kind of interesting. Um, But, you know, coaching is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And I think the fun part is that you get to impact other athletes and you get to impact them directly, um, whether it's at a camp or clinic or whether it's coaching them every day at at school. Um, You know, you get to have a chance to somehow make a difference in their life. And I think that's the part I've always enjoyed. And I think that's what, I kind of fed off of with my coaches is all the coaches that I quote unquote love are the ones that to me made a difference in my life. Um, and so it's kind of why I've always wanted to do it just because the other, the people important in my life other than my family were always my coaches. When you guys play in that tournament against Texas state, are they going to let you actually pitch to your team? Um, I don't know. I don't know. We haven't gotten that far uh, as far as our schedule goes. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to see your girls stand in the box against you. You'd be like, oh, no. Because you could really screw them up for the whole season. Nah. They'll, the good part is they'll be able to take our game and understand what it is. And it's, I think most colleges, it's an opportunity to play against the best that our country can put together. And, um, you know, you can't let it mess with you because it's, technically on paper a game you're really not supposed to win um and so it's one of those that it's an experience and you figure out what can you take away from the experience um you know I've been on the same side as this I got to pitch against my DePaul team when I toured in 08 and while that was kind of weird um it was fun too and you know the girls didn't they didn't take it for more than what it was worth when the game was over that you got I mean you guys have some tour that starts in February. I mean, you guys are like everywhere so far that they've announced. Yeah. I mean, and that's normal. We usually go coast to coast and cover as much, um, as much ground as we can to showcase the team and get as much live, live action as we can. Now you guys have, obviously now you can purchase you guys jerseys. Was there any thought of wearing number eight? And how long did that um, last? 
There was no, uh, just put it this way, there was no choice. <laughs> and I knew that the I knew that the time would come to where they were either going to tell me um, that there had to be a conversation or that I just didn't have a choice. And there was no choice, and I was okay with that. Um, you know, I don't think it's fair either way. Um, so I don't think uh, the funny part is I'm actually rooming with Haley, who wears it now right now. So, um, but the fun part is, you know, she's worn it for a long time. She's worn it on the national team for a while. Um, what's there to say just because I come back that she has to give it up? Um, you know, and so I didn't, when they called me and told me I had to pick a number and I didn't even protest about it. I just let it be. Um, you know, my first, my first inclination was fine. I'll be 88. And then I thought about it and I'm like, I don't really want to be 88. That's a massive number. Um, <laughs> And I happened to have been 38 at tryouts and it worked well. And at the same time, my mom was like, well, you're still number eight and it's like your third Olympics. So why don't we go with 38? And I was like, you know what? I like that. So um, I changed to 38 and they're really, you know, the best part is there's three of us actually that wore eight, that wear eight. Um, Haley wore it at Alabama. I obviously wore it for most of my career. And then Deja Malipola wears it at Arizona. And so we always joke that eight's obviously a really great number because we have three of us that have worn it at some point in time. Um, and, but the respect is there. Um, I don't feel like coming into a new team that I, you come in and just demand your Jersey back. Like that's not the, it's not the right way to do things. And besides Michael Jordan wore a different number two. So did Kobe yeah. Bryant. So why well, not just have two numbers? Yeah, my, yeah. And I have the sneakers with the 45 on it. That's still, yeah, you're right. Michael wore it for a whole other reason though. <laughs> Whatever that reason was, that's because it was a baseball number, and that worked out well. Yeah. Um, when you like, as being like the elder statesman on this team, do you find it harder to have to just show up every day? No, or do you not just at still all. love it. I enjoy it. I enjoy everything about it. Um, it's is it hard? Yes, it's very hard. It's hard on my body. Um, sometimes it's hard knowing that I'm actually, you know, like I said, I have a family back home and I'm, I'm missing out on things. Um, like this year I missed out on the first day of school or, or meet the teacher night, which is the first time in her, since she started kindergarten that I've missed meet the teacher night. Um, and that's just kind of something we've always gone to and it's, it's that part's hard. Um, but there's Mm -hmm. nothing that stops me from wanting to go out to the field with these girls every day. Um, even though yeah. I don't do much of practice, I shag their ball. I shag balls when they hit BP and I go through my bullpen, but I'm happy to be out there and, and doing whatever it is that I'm asked to do. And, um, you know, I think when you can be an athlete, life is, is pretty good. Not to bring this up, but that tournament you guys pitched in, you played in, in Georgia, that girl from Japan, the girl from Japan that took you deep. I've never seen a ball hit off the ground that far, unless it was on a tape. <laughs> Were you shocked that she hit that ball out as I was? I was like, um, what happened? I think initially I thought it was just a fly ball, um, but then it was carrying, and obviously it went out. But at the same time, I also knew um, I didn't really locate the pitch exactly where I wanted it to and where it needed to be. So sometimes that happens. For anybody normal to hit that ball, they wouldn't need to put that ball on a tee. How did you not locate that right? Did you want to do rolling in there? Yes, it was supposed to be in the dirt. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I and mean, really far I, inside. So. I, I mean, I sat there. That ball was, I was like, oh, that, 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 that may have it. And I'm like, 
It's too high. My wife goes, I don't think so. And, and then I'm like, she, what did she do? Bring in a driver on that? Like, nobody hits the ball like that. I was like, you can't. No. Wow. All right, she so did a good job going down and getting it. But it, was, it wasn't it was the uh, best executed or best set up pitch. I mean, Tiger Woods so. probably said, you know, I, I could have hit that at the Masters. Hmm. I mean, that, that was... Where else do you get that in, that whole statement there? No other podcast you do does that. Because um, everybody else <laughs> doesn't know you as well as I do. Where I know I can joke around with you and you're not going to yell at me later. No. Um, all right. So, getting away from all the softball talk. Disney Plus started today. Did you? Are you a Disney Pluser? And what was the first thing you watched? I have not watched it yet because I've been at practice all day. Um <sighs> And working or and in the weight room, but yes, my husband did download the app, and we're doing the free week trial, and then we'll figure out how to lump it with the ESPN Plus I already have. Um, what I'm going to watch first, I don't really know. I'm going to have to get on there and see. So you go down some wormholes on it because I've been watching it for a couple hours now. There is some really <laughs> cool stuff on it. Um, yeah, it's cool. Um, How's married life? It's good. I can't complain. I always laugh when like Joey pops up on people I may know on Facebook, and I'm like, I don't really know him that well. I don't want him to think I'm a weirdo for adding him. I feel like we've had this conversation before. Probably. I think you're. I think you're gonna love Disney Plus though. At least it'll make the plane rides a little bit better. Yeah, I think, well, between Netflix and ESPN Plus and Disney Plus, there'll be plenty to watch. Um, is Disney, is ESPN Plus not the greatest thing you've ever owned? Because, like, it just feels like there's something always on there that's worth watching. Oh, yeah, I like it. I love it just because you can watch so many different things. Um, so, especially with, like, Sunbelt right now, we, they did the, the partnership with ESPN Plus, so... You can watch Sunbelt football, so we can follow Texas State football. When our volleyball team's on there, we can watch. And you know, I I like to go back and watch some of the old thirty for thirties if I haven't seen them, or whatever other cool little clips that they put on there. Have you ever watched that thirty for thirty they did on the Hillsborough disaster in England? Um, I don't know if I did or not. Well, it is. Must see viewing, and then after you watch it, just tell me what you think of it because it is, I think it's awesome. And the fact that you know it's just something that you can never see happening anywhere else but in England. Um, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. We don't have any fans there that crazy. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long because you are at training camp for Team USA. How's Reno? Weather good for you guys? Actually, yeah, it's pretty nice. It's colder at home in Texas than it is here. But it's wow. been it's been nice. We're working out at the University of Reno. Um, they're doing a good job letting us use their field and stuff, so that's pretty cool. And uh, I definitely have a number 38 jersey on order from uh, shirtsandlogos.com. Nice. Because <laughs> now I can finally get your jersey. And, well, they have it in, in large humanoid size, so I have I had to get one. Plus, it's, you know, you don't have to hear me beg you for a jersey this year. There you go. 
Ted, for the fact that it's 10 years now, we've been friends for 10 years, which still amazes me that you still answer my phone calls and my texts. I can't thank you enough. And thanks for letting me share in this journey with you, even if it's from, you know, New Jersey and all that fun stuff. Oh, you're very welcome. You're welcome. You're the best. Hey. Appreciate it. Well, you're the greatest of all time, and it's awesome because Tom Brady won't answer my phone calls. Not like I have his number or nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, you know, in my opinion, he's, there's, he's just a little higher up there. He's a little higher up there than you? No. Tom Brady, uh, that man is impressive. Could you imagine doing what he does at 42? No, I couldn't. <laughs> I don't want to be doing it at 42. I don't believe that. Next time the Olympics come, next time you guys are in the Olympics, you'll be there. I think you'll be no. coaching, but you'll be there. No, you'll be on that. You'll be there. Well, coaching is a different story. That might be a possibility, but not playing. Will Monica still be playing is the question. I don't know. She's only two and a half years younger than me, but we'll see. All right. Kat, you're the best. Thank you. We love you, and uh, good luck, and keep us in mind. Uh, will do. All right, bud. All right, thank you. All right. You're welcome. Talk to you bye. soon. Bye. Okay, bye. The greatest softball pitcher to ever play the game. Scott Osterman. We can't thank her enough. She is one of my favorite people ever. Um We'll be back with more of the George Brew Show right after this. You know I like my chicken fry. Cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And a radio up. up. I like to see the sunrise. See the love in my woman's eyes. Feel the touch of a precious child. No mother's love. Well, I was raised up beneath the shade of a Georgia pine, and that's home, you know, with sweet tea, pecan pie, and homemade wine, where the peaches grow. And my house, it's not much to talk about, but it's filled with love that's grown in southern ground, and a little bit of chicken fried. Cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right. And the radio world, I see love in my woman's eyes. Be the touch of a All right, welcome back to the George Bruce Show here on Block Talk Radio. The next of the college football playoff rankings came out where a bunch of old whites sit in a room and debate on how college football teams are. Um We'll start at 25. It's Appalachian State. Kansas State's 24. Navy's 23. Oklahoma State is 22 at 6 and 3. <sighs> Boise State's at 21. Iowa's at 20th. Texas is at number 19. Memphis is 18. Cincinnati is 17. Notre Dame coming off a win against Duke is at 16. 
Michigan is at 15, Wisconsin at 14. Baylor, Auburn, and Florida round up the bottom 15. Penn State drops from 4 to 9 with their loss to Minnesota. Oklahoma is at 10. Minnesota is at 8, even though they beat Penn State. So they moved up a couple spots. Utah is at 7. Oregon's at 6. Alabama's at 5. Georgia sneaks their way in the 4. Clemson sneaks back in at 3. Ohio State drops 1 to 2. Ohio- LSU moves up 1 to number 1. Clemson's back in. They should not lose. They're in. <laughs> to play yourself back into the top four, Penn State has an ability to. Uh, they need to beat Indiana this week. They need to beat Ohio State the following week, or at least play them well. And then they have Rutgers the last week of the season which they have to beat Rutgers by 100 points, which could happen, but it won't. Um, If Ohio State stumbles to Penn State, and that's not a guarantee because that game is in the horseshoe, if Penn State were to beat Ohio State and then go on and win the Big Ten championship game against Minnesota, you would say Penn State's a lock. LSU, probably a lock. They would have to win the SEC championship game over Georgia. So if you are procrastinating these out into mid-December, LSU's almost a lock. Ohio State's almost a lock, barring a catastrophe. Clemson's a lock. And the fourth spot is going to be, in my opinion, the only one up for grabs. Your phone calls at 563-999-3034 are graciously wanted. <coughs> I don't think there's a prayer that Notre Dame gets up in there. Thank God. Michigan. See, here's the thing. Michigan with two losses would need a miracle to get in. Okay. The Pac-12 never gets the respect that the Pac-12 thinks they deserve. Now, the problem is, is that it's not great. It's not a great conference outside of the top four. So they cannibalize each other. Oregon, Utah. Minnesota only moving up two while seeing Penn State drop five. Tells me that Penn State was only in four for the reason of they were undefeated. Because it shouldn't have dropped that much. 
Penn State didn't help himself by losing that game. If if they win, they may have moved up to number three. Because Clemson hasn't yet played anybody worth a crap. And let's not forget, Clemson still plays South Carolina at the end of the year. And South Carolina has already knocked off Georgia this year. Which, you know, is what it is. It happens. These are still college kids. NFL teams lose to teams they're not supposed to. Happens in college all the time. But I'm okay with the top three. Do I think Georgia should be in the four spot? No. I think Alabama is still the better is still a better team than Georgia. I think Penn State's a better team than Minnesota. It's just Penn State played Minnesota in the biggest game in Minnesota football history. And Minnesota <laughs> came out to play that game and came out and won it as they did. Uh there are allegations against the Houston Astros that when they won the World Series in 2017 that they used a center field camera to help steal signs against the Yankees. If that's true, not a good look for them. But this is what you have when you have video that's so readily accessible. Um, Around the sports world tonight, you have a bunch of games of college basketball. And a bunch of games in college basketball that nobody cares about. Uh, the University of Evansville is up six points right now on Kentucky. Uh, da, 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 let's see here. Uh, Duke is up 63-24 over some school you'll never find on the map. UMass is being Northeastern. Who cares? Uh, Pitt beat Robert Morris. Still have cool uniforms. And the League of National Hockey. Bruins and Panthers tied at zero. Five minutes into the second period. Columbus is up one nothing on Montreal. Six minutes in. Rangers up on Pittsburgh one nothing. With about three minutes to go in the first period. Um Everybody's darlings, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, are having problems in goal. And I still hold steadfast that in the end they are going to be hurt by the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury has to play way too many games. Flurry has to play way too many games. Um, 
They don't have a viable backup. Please don't bring up Malcolm Subban. They're at the moment nine seven three for twenty one points, three losses in overtime or overtime shootout. Um or no shootout losses, I'm sorry. They've lost all three of those games in overtime. They've however won two of those games in a shootout. Um that not faring well for them. And losing three straight really not, especially the other night on Sunday night when it was Gave, gave up a late goal in Detroit, uh, figuring you would get to overtime with a point. They obviously didn't uh, because they gave up a goal with less than 30 seconds to go in the game. Um, take a break here. Uh, you're listening to the George Bruce Show. On the What's Brewing in Sports Radio Network.
welcome, <clears throat> welcome back to the George Brew Show here on the on the What's Brewing Sports Radio Network, powered as always by Blog Talk Radio. Um, so, for a long part of my life, I've had a lazy eye, and up until recently, I had no idea that it could be surgically fixed. Um, I was able to get that fixed yesterday. Um, and what is one of the, it's not, not one of the scariest surgeries I've ever been through, but it's definitely not one of those, uh, you want to have, um, but I had it yesterday. So, yeah, excuse me if I sound incoherent. I'm still kind of groggy. Um, and it's a um, tough surgery to have. Um, but I'm happy I had it. Um, I had it, and it's uh, just... Yeah, sorry if I'm a little groggy there. Um, it's hard looking out of one eye, obviously, um, as you can tell. It's uh, it's not the best, but hey, we're making it work. Um, when you, I feel like every time we do this show, we're bad mouthing the Giants or bad mouthing a team from New York, and. Not as fun as it sounds. I mean, it really isn't. Um, luckily, I don't have to bet Shruckers. They do a good job, job of themselves doing that. Uh, but when you look at the New York Giants right now, uh, I think it's safe to say that the head coach is overmatched. I've been saying that for weeks now. I think they are a team that has not figured out their way. I think when you have dynamic playmakers like uh, Saquon Barkley and they um, and Evan and a guy like Evan Ingram, um, they're they're just at that point where you almost have to start looking at them and go, "What's the problem here?" Because the same problems that they had with Eli as the quarterback, they're having now. They can't run the ball, and that's partially because their offensive line stinks. Um, I think, and I still think, and I've thought all along that Pat Shermer was overmatched. Um, a couple weeks ago we did the show and gave you his stats, and they're not getting better. Um, here's a guy who somehow got this job, and you know, he's got to be a very nice guy. Um, people like him. Uh, I don't know why. I don't think he's a good football coach, but that's my opinion. I think he is overrated as hell as a coach. I thought he stepped into it. And you, I mean, you look at Minnesota now. They didn't need him to win, obviously. They've won without him. 
I mean, Kirk Cousins is nothing to write home about, but, you know, they're, they're moving on and they're playing good football with Dalvin Cook and, and they've done it without Thielen. You know, remember a couple of weeks ago, they were in peril. They were, everybody hated everybody. Thielen was mad at, we thought Kirk Cousins and blah, 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 blah. Well, we've learned that that wasn't exactly the case. They were kind of upset with Mike Zimmer wanting the offense to run the ball more and saying, oh, you can't just run the ball because everybody knows what you're doing. Well, they've done a good job of improving that offense. Um, You look at them, they are going to be a force when the playoffs come. And Green Bay's defense, which was very vaunted at the beginning of the year, not so much. Uh, Green Bay's defense is not so good. Remember, our defense is going to give a lot of teams fits and blah, blah, blah by Aaron Rodgers. They're giving everybody else, they're giving people that gamble on them fits. Um, not good. Not not good. Not good there. They may have a running game. We don't know. It's utterly unbelievable how the Carolina Panthers inside the five-yard line are just stymied. It's seemingly every pass. They are a team that has been down there with with game on the line twice this year on national television. Uh, the the Thursday nighter, and you just looked at it and you go, "What is happening here? What is happening with this team?" And I hate to say it. But as great as Christian McCaffrey is, you know, they they have definitely had their problems. You know, they, they are a team that has had their problems, especially in the red zone. <laughs> and it didn't have and it didn't matter if Cam was there or whoever's there. So they'll 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 get it right, hopefully. It's uh, not the best, but they'll make it work. They'll find ways to make it work because that's what they're going to have to do if they want to win. Um, Chiefs get Mahomes back. Um, and they lose to Tennessee. And now they're one and three against the AFC South. Um, Should have probably beat up on them. They lost to the Colts. They lost to the Titans. They've lost to the Texans. The only team they beat was the Jags in week one, and we know what the Jags are. The Jags are a joke. They are not good. And when you look at that whole situation down there, was is going to Falls the right answer? I mm, People think you're nuts. Gardner Minshew had a good start to his NFL career. 
But when you're paying a guy the money that they're paying him, and Nick Foles, you got to go with Nick Foles. Sorry, but you don't lose your job in the NFL because of an injury. It doesn't happen. The only times it happens is when you win a Super Bowl. And the coach wasn't really enamored with you from the beginning. I.E., Bledsoe and Brady. Bill Belichick wasn't the biggest Drew Bledsoe fan. We all saw that. So we all saw that um, in that situation. Um, once again, sorry, we're kind of all over the place. Um, but that's it for the show tonight. I, my eyes kill me. Uh, we'll be back another day this week. You're listening to the George Rue Show on the Westman Sports Radio Network. <laughs> 